Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive or if you think like one and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Medcalf, founder of Xquadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve even more extraordinary results. Because no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So, if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Today we continue our season looking at the insights from some of the world's fastest growing companies. And today we speak with Don Wenner. Don is a fascinating leader. He's the founder and CEO of DLP Capital. And this business has experienced somewhere between 300 and 600% annual growth for the last 17 years. And Don's a really interesting leader. He brings a really intentional methodology to his leadership, how he works with his team, the culture he creates, the disciplines that he works to and installs in the business. And he's also got a great view on strategy. At the very start of his business, he made some perhaps counterintuitive choices about what he was going to optimize, what areas of the customer experience to focus on, and has created a long-term differentiation that really sets his business apart from many others in this space. So I found this was a really insightful conversation. Don's got a lot of thoughtfulness that he brings to everything he talks about. And I'm sure you'll enjoy this fascinating conversation with Don Wenner. Hi, Don, and welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me today. I'm really interested. Uh, you're an interesting guy. You've, you've created an incredible business, a DLP Capital, over the, over the last few years. It's so much so that it's now in the Financial Times uh, list of fastest growing companies in, in the US. I know you've also been on the Inc. 5000 list. So you created a great business. And yeah, as I was reading about you, I see that impact is something that's really core to who you are. This is called the Impact Multiplier Podcast. So let's, why don't we just start by talking about impact? Like, what, is, what does impact mean to you? Yeah, it's a, a, a great, great question. I'm glad we uh, get, to, get to start there. So, um, so I, I think of, you know, my opportunity in being the you know, CEO of my organization as, as an opportunity you know, to make an impact. And 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 in other words, make a make a, a difference on um, on we we think about it on on specific crisis or um, uh, challenges that that we face, and and we have decided on kind of four specific areas that we think our organization, our platform, our knowledge and relationships and skills and abilities are uh, directly aligned uh, to make a difference and make an impact on and. The first and obvious one um, for what we do is we impact the affordable workforce housing crisis. So we've self-mandated all of our investment funds, all of our investing that we invest in housing, in improving, managing, and building, creating new housing that is and will remain affordable for the local workforce. And we're not doing that as a nonprofit. We we also uh, do a lot from a nonprofit, but we're doing it for profit and and so we've, it's much, people say, well, isn't that in conflict, you know, to make money and make a difference. And 
people often think of it that way. And it doesn't have to be, you can do both at the same time. It's much harder to do both at the same time. Mm. Um, but it can be done where, you know, we generated, you know, 45% returns last year, but all of our housing is affordable and will be affordable for local workforce. And so that's the big area we focus on. We focus on jobs, we focus on happiness and we focus on the like legacy wealth crisis, we call it. Yeah. Well, let me jump in on that. It's, it's, it's fascinating, right? Because there's, we talked about this dilemma uh, or tension, perhaps, uh, yes. or is it tension? Um, uh, and you decided to get into the mission about what you do. So I think we can come back to that. I, I really want to explore this, this this shift between can you be a for profit and also really make a big impact? I mean, I think you can, but it'd be great to kind of get into that. Why don't we perhaps just zoom out one second? I, I took us straight into the conversation. Just tell us, perhaps just set the scene. What What is DLP? You know, what are you doing? Obviously, it's in housing. You, you were talking about investments. Just kind of give us like the, the, the one minute, you know, the elevator pitch, like what's the kind of core of the business? I know you've set it up about 17 years ago. So I'd love to hear. Yeah. So DLP Capital and DLP stands for Dream, Live, Prosper. As you said, I set up in 2006. Um, and we're a real estate investment uh, management company. So we manage private investment funds for investors and we invest that money into predominantly workforce housing. We do so as a lender. We lend money to real estate sponsors, developer, operators, we joint venture, partner with other developers and operators, and then we directly develop and operate housing. So by housing, I mean mainly, you know, multifamily properties, but also a new kind of asset class that we've been investing in since before. It wasn't really a thing is, you know, build for rent single family communities, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're investing in housing communities um, as a lender, as a partner, as a sponsor and and developer. And then we do all the vertically integrated you know, business lines that are needed to to execute on that that investment strategy. Yeah, fantastic. And I know I say it's been a, it's been a, obviously a really great success. You've diversified into these different product lines. You know, you you fast growing company. You've got a few hundred people, I think, on the staff. If I if I saw correctly, um, which built from nothing, I guess. So this this is a great story. Let's get back to this question now. Of okay, so within that context, the impact. Clearly, people need housing. It's important for them to have affordable housing, for it to be available, um, to be well-maintained, all these, all these parts. Um, so d- when people say, can you really do both? How do you, how do you answer them? How do you answer them about having a heart for impact? Because I, I see that very clearly when I look to your profile research, you have a heart for impact. And yeah. you've also got this very successful business. So how do you balance the two? You know, as I said, you know, briefly a moment ago, you know, it's it's harder for sure to do both, um, but it it can certainly be done. It starts with what is the fundamental strategy of the business. So, uh, so I'll kind of give you the the tangible strategy of what we do. So first, it starts with we have to choose to invest in housing communities in areas where we can afford. If we're building new communities, we can afford to build new communities where the rents will be affordable, right? So that's, that sounds simple, but that's a, that's not, not possible in, in every market in the country today, unfortunately. So first it comes down to choosing, you know, the right locations where we can financially afford to build new housing or acquire housing where the rents in that area, the, or in other words, the incomes in that area wow. support our, our rents. So that's the first thing we focus on doing. Um, and the next thing we focus on for us, affordable workforce housing is, is, is kind of our, our, our main theme, um, how we define that is, is our rents have to be less than 30% of the area median income. 
And across our portfolio, we're about 18%, which means that most of the people who live there can afford our rents. So how we do it. So a lot of uh, people who run similar strategies to us or invest in, I should say, similar asset classes, they may buy a property where rents today are, say, $1,000 a month. And they come in and their business plan is to renovate the apartments and put new granite counters in and all new floors and new kitchens and um, and put thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars into each apartment and raise those rents from a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars. Right? There's that's that's a very common strategy. It's also very common to focus on every single year, every single day or month to try to get the maximum rents you can out of each property. So. Um, so constantly making sure you're charging the highest rents possible. And that may mean that you have more turnover and people leave more regularly, but you justify it because you get higher rents. So that's the most common kind of value add multifamily strategy. Get the highest rents you can yeah. and renovate the apartments to, to get, again, the highest rents you can get. And that's not what we do. So our business model is uh, we want to come in and have safe, uh, clean affordable apartments and invest in things that will save money over time. So we get rid of carpet typically and put hard surface floors and we put new efficient lighting in place. We put, Mm. you know, uh, efficient, um, you know, plumbing fixtures. We certainly freshly paint and keep the the units clean, but uh, we address, you know, HVAC units and things that are needed to keep maintenance costs lower. Um, But we don't go in and try to renovate and raise rents to, to the maximum. Then we focus on doing is is keeping our residents in our properties. So we do mostly two-year leases instead of one year. We do two-year renewals. We want our residents to stay in our properties for eight, nine, 10 years versus the industry average of 16 to 18 months. And by getting people to stay longer, we lower our turnover costs. We lower our maintenance costs. We might not always get the maximum rent, but we keep people in our properties, which lowers costs. Mm -hmm. Uh, and does good. Not only does it do good in that we're providing safe, affordable housing that people can afford, but there's a lot of other challenges that come out of people moving constantly. As an example, um, if for people who have uh, school-aged children, if they move every year or so, which is very common, and they're constantly changing their kid's school, every time their kids have to restart a new school, um, it, it restarts the, the uh, and, and sets them backwards from a learning standpoint. And a lot of the um, you know, working class areas around the, the country, you know, it's a major problem. And, and uh, so many kids today graduate third grade without the ability to read. And I heard a great saying recently that from kindergarten to third grade, you learn to read from third grade on, you read to learn. Mm-hmm. And if you don't end third grade with the real ability to learn, so many things in life, uh, 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 your, your chance of success in life goes down uh, dramatically. And mm. you're changing schools constantly, that, that ability to stay at pace and, and gain basic skills like, like reading um, decrease dramatically. You know, so many other community yeah. and, and um, factors that happen when you're constantly moving and you're not building deep friendships and relationships and community. Um, uh, so it's a different approach, a different business model to what we invest in how we think about keeping our residents in the property, how we think about our business model that still can generate really great returns. We think by getting our people to stay in our units longer, we actually can generate better returns than maximizing rents every year, as an example. Mm. Yeah, that's brilliant description. Thank you so much, Don. This, this point about making strategic choices 
that actually support that are consistent that actually make sense financially but they actually support an outcome goal that actually makes sense um i think this is a brilliant example right you could have people coming in and out of apartments um on a regular basis and a turnover and all the costs and disruption for them and and for you that goes along with that and empty buildings yep. and, and all the rest of it the, the maintenance and reselling the, the space or you can change it around not just change one thing but a whole number of things long-term operating costs uh the price levels etc and create a whole different stable outcome that actually generates something that you might believe in more so uh, yeah i think that's a beautiful example thank you for sharing that um yeah and 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 i think that what i often say to people who are thinking about this is it the purpose or is it you know, the economics for me you know, finance you know finance is the fuel as i like to say i mean you know you, it's there's all but there's normally a destination sure that is bigger than just the fuel right i mean your company needs fund finance to pay its people and have offices to work in and, and all the rest of it at some point i think it's more than about the money right and it is about the impact that you're creating and i think this is a great example of how you can have both and if you don't have the financial engine you can't create the impact anyway right it's very hard you haven't got the resources what are a couple of things that you did don um to help the company scale because obviously, um, I mean, I'm suspecting even the strategic choice is a key point. I mean, it's a very clear strategy that you come up with. You've got your percentage number, you know, you know, you know your figures, you know, it's 18% uh, or whatever it was of the, of the median income. I mean, those are very clear. So I suspect there are some strategic choices that you made, and then there might be some internal organizational uh, choices. But um, I guess there's many real estate companies out there. What is, what's, the, what's been the magic in yours? Thank you. Uh, yeah, great, great question. And, you know, scaling a business is, is a topic I'm quite uh, passionate about. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, you know, been on a number of fast growing uh, lists. Uh, the one I'm most proud of is, is 10 years in a row on the Inc. 5000 list, which uh, this past year, we were the uh, fourth fastest growing company in America that's made that list, you know, five or more times. We're on 10 years in a row. Um, we've grown between 300 and 600% any three-year period you pick for 17 straight years. We've grown by over 50% every single year for 17 straight years. So, you know, business scaling is, is a discipline that we've, we've built. And in fact, I actually um, wrote a, a book called Building an Elite Organization, The Blueprint to Scaling a High-Growth, High-Profit Business. Um, you know, a year and a half or so ago now, and it's a book on how we scale our business. And so we've built an entire, we call operating system, you know, to scale a high growth entrepreneurial business. We call that operating system, the elite execution system. And fundamentally the, the core of the operating system is discipline first and foremost. So mm. discipline, thought, discipline to action and discipline people. We call it the, the 20 mile march. Uh, is our secret weapon, which is a term we took from from Jim Collins, um, which happily can describe what that means. Um, and then the second really important part and the hard part, right, the terrible and great quote that I've heard said many times is business would be so easy if it wasn't for the people. Right. And so understanding the key behind any business, it's it's a it's a group of, of people. And uh, so our ability to uh, to attract and hire and develop and retain the very best people. And at the center of that is, is leadership. 
um, you know, has been, you know, things that have allowed us to, to grow really fast. So having a, ver- a secret weapon, we call it the 20 mile march, a disciplined way of going out and setting goals and, and achieving them and doing the things that generate results and having the very best, you know, people for our culture and our organization have been how we've been able to grow and sustain that growth, you know, year after year after year. A lot of people talk about, you know, leadership and having, you know, key in their company. How does that show up in, in your business? You know, what, how do you see leadership and, and what does that mean? And what do you, what needs to be in place for you? So uh, our mantra at DLP is leaders made here. And so first and foremost, our focus is on developing leadership within the organization. Um, uh, we define the job of a leader at DLP is uh, to show the way through the forest um, uh, and be able to, uh, uh, you know, generate uh, results um, through influence. It's a short version of our, our description. And so um, we spent a lot of time uh, teaching um, uh, on leadership, training, doing workshops, creating stretch project opportunities, um, giving exposure opportunities for people to see and be a part of, of, of uh, opportunities. Um, we meet as a leadership team every single Monday and have some level of leadership uh, training and, and message involved in that. Uh, we're reading right now a book called The Eight Paradoxes of Great Leadership. We just re- finished rereading the best book ever written on leadership, in my opinion, uh, The Five Levels of Leadership by John Maxwell, which I think does mm-hmm. the best job of any book of defining what leadership is and how it really works. And I think most people, uh, especially CEOs, especially business leaders, think they're level five leaders. Um, They think they're world-class, incredible leaders. When most people rarely ever consistently achieve level three leadership, which is being able to lead through production, be able to consistently generate results with and through a team. Most people are not able to to consistently um, do that. And so that's an area, the area we spend a lot of time focused on. We built this training curriculum we call the 24 Practices of Highly Effective uh, and Productive Leaders. And there are different skills and, and abilities that need to be developed to be able to be a consistent leader who generates um, results. And so we put a, a tremendous amount of intentional focus around the development mm-hmm. of leadership, around the evaluation of our leadership abilities, and uh, in turn, you know, the growth of leaders, we think that the biggest job, the biggest challenge and focus of leadership is to develop other leaders. And and, uh, that's what we challenge each of our our leaders to do, um, you know, each and every day. Hi, this is Richard. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. This is just a quick interlude to tell you about my book, Making Time for Strategy, which is being released in January 2023. It deals with perhaps the number one challenge I've come across in my coaching work with top executives, how to get out of the weeds of operations and make time for the high impact strategic work that will lead to breakthrough results. If you're serious about multiplying your impact, you do need to elevate your use of time. So I highly recommend that you head over to makingtimeforstrategy.com where you can find out more about the book and download some free chapters. Now, back to the conversation. I love the way that you describe it, actually, Don. It's so clear that you've been thinking about this in a very structured way. You've got key principles 
and that you've embedded those in the organization to the degree that, you know, you don't just have your weekly leadership meeting, but you whatever, but you also make sure that there is some leadership content in that meeting rather than just focus on the tasks. Most teams I've worked with, frankly, you know, a lot of them are just like, okay, what's business challenge? They get right into what they're doing and they're not thinking about who they're being or how they're being as they do it. And so I kind of really pick that up in your thoughtfulness in how you do that. Do you want to tell me about what's, tell me about the twenty one mile march? What's uh, what's that about? So twenty mile march is uh, comes from uh, my opinion Jim Collins' best book, uh, Great by Choice. I love all of his books, but you know his most famous book is called Good to Great, um, where he studies you know these great companies and their parallel companies. Great by Choice is a book that was really a four year research project for uh, Jim Collins and uh, Morton Hansen to determine. If you wanted to ha- run a great company, you know, what do you need to do and what do all, you know, great companies um, have in common? And long story short, after this four year research project, the thing that all great companies had in common and great companies being companies who maintain their greatness over you know, 30 years, over decades, um, was the 20 mile march. And the term 20 mile march comes from the story of two expedition crews who set out to go to the South Pole. Nobody had ever been to the South Pole before. So two similarly skilled leaders and teams with similar resources, both set out to go to the South Pole. And uh, the end result was one group got there first, um, 31 days earlier. And the other group uh, who got there 31 days later, they actually all died on their way back. Um, So two parallel uh, differences. And when they studied what what did one group do differently than the other, the difference was the 20-mile march. And the the expedition crew who got there first, they would march 20 miles every single day. So if the weather was negative 20 and wind in their face, they would force themselves to go 20 miles. When When it was 60 degrees and sunny and wind at their back, they would modulate their effort to not go more than 20 miles. So every day they knew what they had to do was to go 20 miles. Didn't matter what was going on around them. Didn't matter what the conditions were around them. The crew who died, uh, they would go 40 miles on good days. And on bad days, they would stay in their tent and wait, right? So they let what they did each day be completely controlled by what goes on around them. And the the business parable to that is, is that, uh, we need to figure out what are the things that we do that generate our results? How do we drive productivity as an organization? How do we drive productivity individually and make sure we're doing those activities no matter what's going on around us, no matter if we're in a global pandemic, no matter if we're in a recession, no matter what's what what's the outside conditions are, making sure we control those activities each and every day. And sometimes it's not even just the external conditions, it's just the whirlwind within our lives and within our businesses, making sure we still are doing the things every day. When I explain this story and I play a little video for all new team members every month and we do a welcome to DLP meeting um, and I and I ask people, what's the business parable to the story? Somebody always says, it's like the tortoise and the hare, you know, slow and steady wins the race. And the steady, the consistency part is 100% the, 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 the accurate. The slow part is not. So I always tell people, this is called the 20 mile march. You know, for any of us who wear a Fitbit or uh, an Apple Watch or track our steps and activities, you know, most of us don't go 20 miles a day, right? I average 20 plus thousand steps a day. That's, you know, seven to 10 miles, depending on what I'm doing, right? Um, 20 miles is a massive amount of activity. 
right? And it's about building the discipline that we do a massive amount of product productive activity mm-hmm. yeah. every single day, not just the beginning of the year, not just the end of the year, not just the beginning of the month, not just in the summer, not just, you know, but every single day. When you can get every person in the organization doing a massive amount of productive activity right. Right. every single day, um, it's amazing what you can accomplish. And that's how you grow, you know, 60 plus percent a year, every year mm-hmm. um, is, is, is by putting this kind of discipline in place that everybody marches forward, you know, every single day. Don, I'm, I'm really curious. What's your 20 mile march? What do you need to get done every day? So for every person or organization, it's a little different, but what we define it as is. I'm going to do about you as a leader, right? Like you're the CEO. Yeah, so, um, so, it's going to be different from you from like a sales person or whatever it is. I get that, right? You're not making sales calls or whatever, you know, 20 sales calls or whatever you got to do. But like, how do you internalize that for yourself as, as the organizational leader? So the way, way we internalize, and I'll answer my specific in a second, is, is the 80-20 principle, right? So we've all heard, you know, the Pareto's 80-20 principle, right? That, you know, 20% of our time produces 80% of our results, right? 20% of the world's population controls 80% of the world's wealth. 20% yeah. of the world's roads have, you know, it applies to everything, but applies to our time as well. So we go through this exercise with every person in the organization to figure out what is our 20%, right? What is the 20% of the things you do that generate 80% of your results? And a lot of people struggle to accept that. All right. So if I work 50 hours a week, that means 10 hours a week produces 80% of my results, right? And then we teach the 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 64-4 rule, yeah. which is if you take the 20, 80-20 principle to your 20%, that means 4% of your time produces 64% of the results. So two hours a week is producing you know, two thirds of our results. That seems hard to believe, but how powerful would it be if you get everybody in the organization to understand what are the, is the 20% or the 4% of things they do that produce the results, right? Salespeople, it's obvious, right? They're the easiest example. It's prospecting and being on sales appointments, right? Those mm-hmm. are the things they do that produce the results, but what does busy salespeople stop doing? Prospecting and going on sales appointments, right? In most organizations. Um, so we figure that out in our organization, everybody in the company has a clear set of expectations for their job the clear outputs they're responsible for and a clear set of responsibilities. And they know what, the, what they are. They know what success is for their job. So we define that up front. So for me, you know, I know the things that today, the point of my, my, in our growth that I do that generate the biggest results, you know, one is uh, interviews. Um, so one of the, the biggest allocation of my time is, is hiring top talent in our organization. So interviewing uh, uh, potential leaders, and then number two, we're doing what we call alignment meetings with my top leaders. Those are two of the most important things I do every week, spending one-on-one time with my top leaders, my direct reports, and working to recruit and bring on new leaders. Another really important focus of my time is uh, meeting with, you know, perspective. Uh, we call them elite members or uh, sponsor operators who we're going to build a relationship with and we're going to help them scale their business and be their primary capital provider and partner with them and so forth. So being with our existing um, uh, elite members, partners yeah. and prospective elite member partners, spending time with, with, yeah. uh, with those high, uh, really great sponsors, CEOs that we can pour into and help them scale their business and turn scale our business. So those are a couple of the you know, activities mm-hmm. that, that I know are part of my 20% that if I, Make sure I do each and every week, no matter what whirlwinds going around me, but all the things I have to do, you know, we'll make sure that, um, you know, we're achieving our results. I'm, I'm doing my job as a CEO. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fantastic. It, it reminds me, it's interesting. This is the first conversation where I get to say, 
by the time this podcast episode is released, um, my book will be out. <laughs> awesome. And my book's on making time for strategy. And because it's such a big issue that most people get stuck in the low level operational tasks, the 80% are not on the 20%. And um, so I have a whole area around high value activities, right? What are those high value activities? For me, they're uh, content connecting and coaching, right? If I do those three things, create new content, uh, you know, new ideas, new programs, connect with high level leaders um, and serve them, coach them, create value for them, advise them. Those are the things that I, in my genius zone, I'm world-class at. And I, the more I do that, the more value I create in the business, the more I get distracted with finance and uh, expenses and um, admin and everything else, I'm, I'm out of my zone. And uh, I think it's really important for people to get clear on what those, you know, what those 20% or those 4% activities are, you know, what those high value activities are. And yeah. once, you, once you see them, and I think, you know, yours are really clear as well, you know, interviewing, aligning and, and managing your elite members. And it's really clear, right? Once you've got that scorecard, you can look at your day and say, was I, was I contributing at my highest level today? Exactly. And, so, and you know, one of the, um, my favorite quotes, my, my leadership team is tired of me saying this. I've been saying it for the last, you know, year and a half, my go-to quote, but many have the will to win few have the will to prepare to win. And uh, I think, you know, most people are really, really busy and running around really hard. And, you know, Tim Ferriss, I don't think he's the original quoter of this, but says, you know, uh, uh, busyness is an, is a form of laziness, right? And, and many people are running around doing lots of things, not exactly knowing why and what the purpose uh, behind it, it is. And um, the prepared to win that most people won't do is the stopping, thinking, intentionally deciding what I want to accomplish and how I'm going to spend my time. And, you know, I teach on this, on this idea of what I call the five keys to success, significance, and happiness. And they are intentionality is first and foremost. Uh, I'm incredibly intentional at every minute of, of every day, uh, making sure each thing I'm doing is aligned with, with a, a bigger goal. Um, number two is purpose, three is goals, four is grit, and five is growth mindset. And um, But it starts with intentionally knowing what we want to do. And we built this tool we call uh, the Elite Compass. And we have the, it's a business tool. Um, and then we have a tool we call the Personal Compass that every person in my organization uses, I use to, to guide our, our individual lives. And then we have a tool called the Family Compass too. And, and it's, it's a tool to get very clear about what we want to accomplish and why um, and spending the time each year, we just uh, Friday just spent a whole day with my top leaders, uh, uh, working on the f- kind of the first, uh, detailed draft of our compass for next year. And that intentional time of deciding where we want to go and why and how it fits in and what we're not going to do. Right. Warren Buffett says, you know, the, the difference between millionaires and billionaires is billionaires say no more often. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is being able to say no to lots of opportunities to focus on what's you know most intentionally aligned with what I want to accomplish and I can create the biggest scale and leverage to my time and resources is something few people slow down enough to do because they're so busy you know doing you know each day absolutely it's why I have um I might have been to, you might have been to see this um it's on video for those who are listening but I have a little snail here it might be a bit <laughs> blurry to remind me on my desk to slow down to speed up right it's not to slow down to slow down but it is that when we bring ourselves down get rid of the tunnel vision 
and say, what's the real, where do I really need to put my energy? Is a game changer. And you're right, most people are running so fast. They call it the infinity trap. We're just dealing with all the infinity of stuff hitting us time and time again. Uh, and we feel we're being productive because we're trying to plow through our list and we're knocking things off. Yep. But are we changing the world? Are we leveling up? Probably not. So, hey, Don, I'm, I'm really enjoying this conversation. I'm just aware of time. The good news is that we've already dealt with a couple of my quick fire questions because you've recommended a ton of books. You've, you've already given us a couple of your key quotes um, that you've used you know, with your team uh, on occasion. So in many ways, we're kind of uh, ahead of the game here. Um, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? That I'd give to my 20-year-old self? Yeah, if you were to go back in time. Um, even though I, I feel we've done this reasonably well, I'd say higher, faster. Um, mm. So is what I would have told myself at 20. Yeah. Why was that? Why, why would that have been a game changer? Um, I, I think every time I've hired the right people in our organization, um, I, I, you, within 30 days, 60 days, I'm, I'm, we're saying, how did we survive you know, before this person, right? Where you can't mm. imagine life or business without that, that key leader. And so often, you know, if we would have made that decision, we would have brought that leader aboard a year earlier, two years earlier, you know, we would be making an even bigger impact. We would have grown even faster. Um, I would have been freed up uh, more um, to be focusing on, on my high value opportunities. Fantastic. So Don, one of the things that I get about you is, you know, you're actually pretty softly spoken, um, reflective and you've got but I can really sense in you that depth of you know you're playing a big game right you're making things happen you're really focused on impact um and not every leader said not every leader plays that game so I, I love this question I love it particularly perhaps for you which is many of our best guests on the show come from referrals so I'm wondering who inspires you who's an impactful CEO you know who perhaps you've apprenticed with or you've or you've seen in your customers or your partners yeah, who's uh, your friends? You know, who's somebody who inspires you, who gets you to play a bigger game? Uh, you know, who might be another great guest for our future episode? I'll go with uh, two people. One, uh, I'll go with Lloyd Reeb. Um, Lloyd is the founder of Halftime Institute, a nonprofit organization focused on helping people go from success to significance, uh, often in the second half of life, but not always. I've gone through the program um, and um, uh, is running a really cool organization now called Ardent, where they match up incredible CEOs and business leaders with young social entrepreneurs um, to help them scale. Lloyd's the most intentional person I know. He's one of the members of my personal board. Um, so I highly recommend uh, Lloyd. And then second is a person who Lloyd put me in touch with um, is David Weekly. Uh, David Weekly is the uh, founder and CEO of David Weekly Homes, top 10 home builder in America, uh, privately owned. Um, but David's a person who clearly knows what he wants to accomplish in this world. He gives uh, about a third of all of his wealth and his income. Last year, I believe he gave $34 million. And he doesn't just write checks. He gets very involved to make sure all of his giving is scalable and sustainable Um and uh, just an incredible individuals built a, an outstanding business. Yeah, fantastic. I love those, both of the examples because, as I said, I knew you were going to have some great names because I see that you're up to impact. And it's not, you know, there's plenty of people who can build a really high growth business, you know, and they want to flip their stock at the end of it and walk away and they're good. Yeah, fine. 
but I, and I sense obviously I'm sure you're very happy to create the financial wealth that I'm sure you've created, but I get that, that sense that it's not just about that, right? And it is about the impact. And so the people you mentioned there, it's that shift, right? To significance, to changing the world, to making a dent that makes the place, the world a better place. And so I just, I love that about this conversation. It, it lights me up. It's why I do what I do, right? Um, I realized that at some point in my career, I don't want to just help AT&T or whoever it might be increase their EBITDA margin by 0.2%. Nothing wrong with that. What I really want to do is help leaders change the world because they're in such a great place to do it. Great. And, and I hear that from you. So Don, no matter what we've achieved, there's always a next level to get to. So where's the next level for your business? Um, so our BHAG, our big, hairy, audacious goal um, over the last few years has been um, to achieve Fortune 500 status through positively impacting 10 million lives. And we're not actually planning to go public, but to be at the size of a Fortune 500 company um, has been our, our BHAG. Um, we're kind of in talks right now, going through our strategic planning. We may tweak that that BHAG uh, to becoming the world's most productive company, which leads to us building a $1 billion foundation. So, um, so really focused on making sure everything we do for profit, for our business, um, is making an impact, but then also the 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 wealth and profits that we're we're generating off of the good we're doing from our organization are being poured back into uh, nonprofit uh, opportunities or social opportunities where we can um, you know make a, a tremendous uh, tremendous difference and so I've recently kind of set a personal you know goal that I want to build my foundation I set up to a billion dollars and and um, uh, for the purpose of you know make the biggest sustainable you know, difference uh, post my, my lifetime. So, um, so there's some of the things that I'm uh, focused on, um, on right now. And then the short answer to a lot of that is, is right now I need to, you know, scale our impact and, and working on the most effective ways to do that. Yeah. Beautiful. What about you personally? What needs to shift inside you? What do you need to do differently or be differently in order to multiply your own impact? Cause we always have a next level. What's yours? Yeah, I think I think my next my next step is 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 a step that I've been you know working my way up for for a while here is is uh, developing and empowering uh, leaders to to pull myself out of uh, more and more of the things that aren't the highest value and use of my my time. So um, I'm gift I'm both blessed and and I don't like to use the word curse, but the alternative of blessed in the respect that. I, you know, I, I'm the visionary to our organization and I have my, you know, head in the, the clouds and I can see the big picture very clearly, but I also keep my feet and some of my hands in the dirt. And sometimes um, I do that uh, too long that it, that it holds back the, the hiring, the development, empowerment of leaders to pull me out of more, which would allow me and free me up to, to make a, a bigger, a bigger impact and, and leverage, you know, that my my, you know, God-given gifts and, and, and blessings more, more effectively. So uh, investing in, in doing that and empowering leaders in our organization um, is, is the big challenge I'm working on right now. Beautiful. So Don, if people want to find out more about you, about the business, how do they best do that? Absolutely. Uh, so they can, so I run a podcast, uh, similar name, Impact with Don Winner, um, which you can check out on any place you go to your podcast. You can go to our website, dlpcapital.com, dlpcapital.com. 
You're welcome to email me as well at don at dlpcapital.com as well. Perfect. I've got all those details. We'll put them in the show notes. Don, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, I love your sense of ambition, of vision, of impact, of service. Uh, and I think you've shared some really thoughtful ideas there around um yeah what it takes to grow this business uh, business sustainably over these years and i think it comes down to that thoughtfulness around around leadership around what those high value activities are around all those things that we talked about so thank you for sharing some of your um nuggets with us today it's been a lot of fun awesome thank you for having me so much i hope you enjoyed this conversation now let's talk about you when you're in top leadership when you're in the biggest role of your career who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.